BridgeBank helps breakthrough ideas actually break through and remains dedicated to providing financial solutions to those committed to leveraging innovation to make the world a better place. BridgeBank, a division of Western Alliance Bank. BridgeBank, be bold, venture wisely. Hey, it's Glenn Washington from Snap Judgment. And if you love what you're hearing, and I know you love what you're hearing, please consider becoming a KQED member get special access to cool events, behind-the-scenes footage, and so much more. Plus, you'll sleep better at night knowing you did your part for the community you depend upon. It's in you. Please be in it. Visit donate.kqed.org slash podcasts to sign up now. That's podcast with an S. Thanks. From KQED. From KQED Public Radio in San Francisco, I'm Michael Krasny. Welcome to this morning's forum. In response to growing criticism over the U.S. Postal Service cutbacks, Postmaster General Louis DeJoy announced yesterday that the changes would be suspended until after the election. But that is unlikely to stop California and more than 20 other states from suing the Trump administration over the cost-cutting moves. Then PG&E resisted implementing safety protocols to prevent wildfires for more than a decade. That's according to a new Frontline KQED investigation, and we'll talk to one of the reporters on that story. But first, we'll bring you an update on the fires currently raging across the Bay Area. It's all next, after this news. Welcome to this morning's forum. I'm Michael Krasny, and we'll be talking this hour about the U.S. Postal Service announcement yesterday that it will suspend controversial changes until after the November election. But first, large fires are burning across the Bay Area, and KQED reporter Raquel Maria Dillon is in Vacaville, and she joins us now to get the latest on one of them, the Hennessy Fire, and welcome, Raquel. Good morning. Good morning to you, and let me begin just by asking you what the firefighters are saying and how extensive the damage is. Uh, the firefighters don't quite know yet how many homes have burned. I've seen I, about a dozen, but it's hard to tell if those buildings are homes or uh, barns or plant nurseries or what. Uh, I'm on Pleasant Valley Road, uh, west end of Vacaville, and it's um, full of ranches, uh, hobby farms, cows, um, orchards. It's really lovely, but it's very dry right now. Um, and now those uh, fields uh, have turned black as the flames came through last night. Um, it, it was fairly destructive. And what about evacuations at this point? Um, this particular stretch of Pleasant Valley Road has uh, has been evacuated. Um, folks headed into town. There are some subdivisions uh, further uh, east, um, and those are under evacuation warnings and, and uh, orders. Um, folks have left. Um, I don't see very many people out and about, but there are folks putting out spot fires um, in their fields um, and trying to figure out what's going on. Uh, and uh, right now I'm looking across a field and there's a big plume of uh, black smoke that quite likely could be uh, somebody's uh, home or, or building going up in flames. And at this point, do we know what kind of help uh, they're getting from outside the area, especially from throughout California? I asked firefighters how, how they were just deploying their resources and they sort of... Uh, 
said what resources as the joke um but it's it's not a laughing matter uh they uh are spread pretty thin they said their priority is life and safety that means keeping firefighters safe and helping people evacuate uh they are helping to put out fires that are threatening homes when they can um but there are not a lot of resources especially air resources water dropping aircraft um, are not available because of the way this particular weather system has locked down the smoke very low to the ground. That means very poor visibility, and so helicopters and water dropping planes can't fly. Raquel, appreciate very much your reporting and stay on the scene and stay safe, and thank you for joining us this morning. You're welcome, thank you. We will continue to monitor and we'll have more fire reporting throughout the day. In the meantime, Yesterday, the U.S. Postal Service Postmaster General Louis DeJoy announced that he would suspend until after November election operational reforms and initiatives, quote, to avoid even the appearance of any impact on election mail, end quote. Meanwhile, California and at least 20 other states will sue the Trump administration over those reforms, which include removal of mailboxes, sorting equipment, and the elimination of staff overtime in order to protect against service delays. And the moves come amid ongoing accusations by Democrats that the Trump administration is refusing to fund the cash-strapped agency to subvert mail-in voting this fall. We're going to get the latest, and we're going to start with, Ava Gar- with Amy Gardner, who is uh, with The Washington Post. She's national political reporter there. And Amy, welcome to the program. Good morning to you. Good morning. Thanks for having me. Glad to have you. And I, I guess really the place I want to begin with you is the politics behind this uh, Nancy Pelosi said the heat was on, and certainly it was when there was consideration of an FBI investigation because it's criminal to hold up the delay. Uh, How much of that had to do with this decision by the Postmaster General? I don't think we know uh, exactly what he's motivated by at this point. Um, Louis DeJoy has been accused by Democrats of both uh, pursuing President Trump's political agenda to thwart the, uh, you know, um, administration of mail balloting this fall for Mr. President Trump's political gain. But he's also um, been accused of having his own business interests in uh, undermining the post office writ large. He's a log- he's a billionaire with who's run logistics companies and um, and has his own business interest in United States Postal Service competitors. So there's a couple of different motives there. I do think it's interesting that he wanted to get out of the immediacy of this political firestorm and uh, announced yesterday, as you noted, that he will reverse and freeze these operational changes, such as the ones that you listed. Uh, But I also think that his critics chief among them, House Democrats and also Democratic attorneys general across the country are skeptical and are not at all going to lift their feet off the gas pedal of their plans for legal action and House Oversight Committee hearings uh, and, and in order to have sort of the full force of the law behind any uh, promise that he makes to uh, reverse these changes. So the 20 lawsuits that are in the works by attorneys general throughout the country are still going ahead? There are two right now. There are, there, they've got multiple states signed on to each one. But yes, they are, one was filed yesterday. The other one we're still waiting for. Washington State was the leader on the one that dropped yesterday in federal court in Washington State. Pennsylvania has one coming in the Eastern District of Pennsylvania. And as you say, 20, 20 states 
uh, in total have signed on to one or the other or both of those lawsuits. In addition, New York State's Attorney General, Letitia James, is planning her own litigation. We also saw a lawsuit drop last night from the Lawyers Committee for Civil Rights, big uh, election uh, voting rights organization based in Washington. The NAACP Legal Defense Fund is planning to drop a lawsuit today. Nobody's planning to uh, pull their punches on having the force of a court order uh, behind efforts to stop these operational changes because they have said quite clearly they don't trust Mr. DeJoy and they don't trust President Trump. Yeah, in fact, uh, Representative Clyburn, Jim Clyburn said, uh, I don't trust him one bit. And certainly Nancy Pelosi, Speaker Pelosi, has said the same thing. And the Democrats are probing into postal service and calling the Postmaster General, Louis DeJoy, on the carpet. He's going to testify tomorrow and, excuse me, on Friday and on Monday as well. Uh, and also the chair of the Board of Governors uh, is being called. Uh, the Board of Governors are largely Trump appointees or Republican appointees. Uh, what's taking shape there? Can you give us a picture? Uh, sure, I can try. So it's very interesting. Um, the Board of Governors, as you say, is uh, almost exclusively, possibly exclusively, uh, made up of Trump appointees. Uh, and in fact, in comments yesterday, President Trump uh, made a remark to that effect that we've got the board, it's our board now, uh, meaning that he now believes he controls the, the Postal Service through this Board of Governors that is made up of his own appointees. However, uh, what's really interesting is that the the both lawsuits uh, filed or you know in the mix uh, from the state attorneys general uh, among their legal claims is that the United States Postal Service uh, doesn't just report to its governing board. There is a body called a Postal Regulatory Commission, which it is required to notify when it is planning to make operational changes. There are, are provisions under the rules of that commission for any proposed changes to be publicized over a period of time for states and local governments and the public to comment. None of that happened in this case. And, uh, and in addition, Congress has oversight over the Postal Service, like it has oversight over much of the executive branch. And that is why you see the House Oversight and Government Reform Committee getting ready to hold these hearings. And so I think uh, the view on the Democratic side, at least, is that President Trump doesn't actually understand what the rules are governing the Postal Service, and that Louis DeJoy did not understand the rules governing the Postal Service, and they're going to set them straight. That's their goal. Well, Louis DeJoy had absolutely no experience in the Postal Service. That's the first time in 20 years that a Postmaster General came to that position without any experience in the Postal Service. I also wanted to mention the politics of this also include the Senate, because the Senate could block things theoretically, but McConnell, uh, facing re-election, said he doesn't share Trump's concerns, and he's declined to recall the senators, uh, but the he said the Postal Service is going to be just fine. I want to invite our callers into this, and if you'd like to join us with any questions or comments with Amy Gardner, who is national political reporter for The Washington Post, we welcome your involvement in the program. You can give us a call right now at our toll-free number. The number to call is 866-733-6786. I'll repeat that. It's 866-733-6786. You can join us at that number. You can also join us by getting in touch on Twitter and Facebook. We're at KQED Forum or email any questions you might have to forum at kqed.org. I'm going to read a comment 
by an email from Chris who writes, this administration got caught red-handed in trying to do this before the election and are now trying to spin it positively as their own choice. This is a ridiculous degradation of our public institutions. And Alex writes, uh, Trump has announced that he is fine with mail-in voting in Florida, where it will be used by old white people wanting to vote Republican, but not in any states where it might be used by black voters. Virulent racism as usual. Actually, what Alex says here, I think, needs to be reiterated to some degree uh, with you, Amy. That is, uh, the president did say that things are going right with mail-in ballots in Florida and were right when uh, Florida was under Republican governorship, uh, as they presently still are. But he makes that exception. He does. Uh, the president and his allies claim that what President Trump opposes is universal mail balloting in states that uh, haven't been offered it historically. Uh, and so he opposes the rapid fire efforts by some states to expand mail balloting. And when he says universal, he means states that plan to actually mail ballots to every voter. That's not something that happens in very many states. It happens in a couple of states that have actually been running universal uh, uh, mail elections for years, Oregon, Washington, and Colorado. Uh, and more recently, Hawaii and Utah. But, uh, but among those states that have offered absentee balloting previously as an option, uh, the rules are all over the map. Some allow anyone to do it without needing an excuse. Others require you to have a reason to vote absentee. M most of those states have done something to change the rules governing mail balloting in order to make it easier for voters, knowing that voters are concerned about coronavirus infection if they vote in person at the polls on November 3rd. So what President Trump is saying is that uh, universal mail, he says what he means is that universal mail balloting is ripe for fraud and um, uh, is, um, is, not, is not a good plan. Amy Gardner with us, national political reporter for The Washington Post, and you can be with us as well. You can give us a call right now and join the program. Toll free at 866-733-6786. Again, that's 866-733-6786. Or get in touch on Twitter and Facebook. We're at KQED Forum or email us, forum at kqed.org. I'm Michael Krasny. This is Forum. I'm Michael Krasny, and we're getting the latest news about the U.S. Postal Service. Amy Gardner, national political reporter with The Washington Post, is with us. And we're also going to bring Alex Padilla into this conversation, Secretary of State, the state of California. And Secretary Padilla, good to have you aboard. Welcome. Good morning. Good morning. Good morning. Good morning to you. And uh, let's begin by the concern. Well, most Democrats seem to be expressing this concern about uh not trusting the Trump administration, not trusting Postmaster General Louis DeJoy. What are you doing about that lack of trust? Yeah, well, look, uh, I think for the last four years, we've seen uh, a difficult relationship between the Trump administration and the truth and being forthcoming. So uh, uh, welcome to news yesterday that uh, the Postal Service said they're going to postpone any changes to policies or procedures until after the November election. But we still have a lot of questions. Will they undo the changes that they've been making of late? Will they return those mailboxes to sidewalks and communities around the country? Will they reinstate the equipment that was uh, decommissioned in facilities across the country? Uh, can they share the new directives, not just with the public, but especially with postal workers? Postal workers are essential workers, and clarity on what the uh, procedures and operations are going to be going forward is uh, critical 
uh, to ensure the timely delivery of mail, and that includes the timely delivery of ballots, both to voters and back to uh, county officials. Let me ask you, though, what can be done about the damage from these cost-cutting measures that's already been done? It's unclear about how it can be undone at this point. Uh, so, uh, again, uh, a lot of questions that remain to be answered. Uh, so I appreciate uh, members of Congress that will be posing those specific uh, questions over the next uh, uh, week or so. Uh, and what we can do is educate voters, right? Don't leave it to chance. Make your plan to vote and to vote early. Uh, in many states, you have the option to vote by mail. Uh, I encourage people to exercise that option, both out of concerns of the Postal Service, but especially given the COVID-19 pandemic. Uh, when you receive your ballot, fill it out sooner rather than later and mail it back sooner rather than later. Or if you need to vote in person, uh, there may be early voting options available uh, where you live. Uh, go the first day. Don't put it off to the very last day. So it's important that voters know the rules and uh, make a plan and vote early. Let me bring a caller on. Carrie joins us from San Jose. She has some remarks about Postmaster General DeJoy. Join us, Carrie. Welcome. Hi. Um, I think DeJoy should be fired and he should be forced to bring back the sorting equipment that he dismantled at his own expense. And I want to know what your guests think the odds of that happening are. Let me go to you on this. Uh, Would you agree with this, Secretary Padilla, that he should be fired? Some Democrats are calling for him to be fired. Well, not only do I agree he should be be fired, he shouldn't have been hired in the first place, right? This is an individual who was a... uh, uh, a pretty prolific fundraiser for the Republican Party and for Trump specifically. Uh, that doesn't uh, sound to me like somebody who is particularly qualified uh, to oversee the Postal Service, a very fundamental institution for our country since before, uh, you know, it, it predates the Constitution. Uh, and, and let me also say this. Yes, the Postal Service is critical for our democracy, for the deli- timely delivery of ballots to voters and back. But it is so fundamental to our economy, which is uh, hurting right now because of the COVID-19 pandemic and more. So anybody who uh, uh, takes these kinds of risks and impacts the delivery of goods, services and ballots, uh, yes, they should be held to account. And he was also, uh, well, we're on, we have a record of him investing millions of dollars in competitors and contractors of the U.S. Postal Service. I want to go back to Amy Gardner on this. Chances of uh, Louis DeJoy, the postmaster, being fired, Amy? I mean, I think one of the things that you see, although certainly there are Republicans who have come out to express their support for the Postal Service and their desire to see money appropriated to help it operate, uh, most of those concerns are directed not toward mail balloting issues, but toward other uh, you know, equally or more, depending on your perspective, fundamental uh, services that the Postal Service provides delivering medicine, delivering social security checks, unemployment checks, uh, and in rural areas as well as in urban areas. So it's a nonpartisan issue, really, in terms of where Republicans and Democrats typically live. And can I add that it's particularly in a pandemic, particularly an institution that has to be protected? Sure. Yeah, I think that's right. However, what I was going to say is that there are you are hearing Republican voices saying that they look forward to Postmaster DeJoy testifying before lawmakers this week and next week because they expect him to explain that that the the uh, the accusations from Democrats that Postal Service has been compromised are not true. So what you see are uh, you see some support for 
DeJoy continuing to do what he's doing. Uh, there continues to be a lot of sort of concern on the Republican side about the solvency of the Postal Service and some support for efforts to improve its function. Let me ask uh, Secretary Padilla about that. The Postal Service has lost billions of dollars, according to the Government Accountability Office. And uh, President Trump has made it clear that, you know, he wants to perhaps interfere with this election. Uh, he feels it would be fraudulent for the Postal Service to have mail-in ballots going everywhere. Here in California, of course, Governor Newsom signed a bill back in June that sends a mail ballot to every voter in California, but would allow the ballots to be counted if uh, they arrive within, I believe it's 17 days, Secretary Padilla, after the election, as long as they're postmarked on election day. But the concern is not only coming about fraud, which has been pretty much refuted uh, from the Trump administration, but also about the costs. Uh, and the cost cutting is necessary, is the argument that we hear. But you cannot put a uh, dollar figure on the value of our democracy. Uh, so has the, the Postal Service uh, have, uh, you know, fiscal health issues? Uh, certainly. But uh, undermining our free and fair elections is not the way to uh, to, to, to get the Postal Service uh, financial house in order. Uh, so uh, th there's got to be other measures. There are other measures. It's not the first time the Postal Service has uh, seen tough fiscal times, but never in the history of our nation uh, has it been exploited. Has it been sabotaged by the president of the United States, uh, who's desperate uh, for his reelection chances? He's also come forward with the argument that, uh, and I'm sure you've heard this, Secretary Padilla, that uh, you have Amazon and UPS not charged enough, uh, that postal workers are higher paid than any other government employees. That's what we're hearing, at least uh, not only from President Trump, but from Secretary Treasury Steve Mnuchin. Your response? Right. Well, it, it, if, if that's their finding, then it seems like it's time for the Postal Service to renegotiate their agreements with those entities, but not stick it to you know working families and voters who rely on you know, their Social Security checks, their uh, prescriptions that arrive by mail, their unemployment benefits with so many people out of work, and certainly voters uh, as we prepare for the most consequential election of our lifetime. Let me bring another caller on. That's Tricia joining us from San Francisco. Tricia, welcome. You're on the air. Thank, thank you so much. Um, my concerns are numerous. Um, First of all, Trump and DeJoy, my husband likes to say they have the balls of a burglar. They'll do anything, so you can't trust anything they say or they do. Um, I'm concerned about postmarking. If the, the machines aren't there and, and the workers aren't getting overtime, how are we to be assured that they are being postmarked when they arrive in the post office? And um, what, are, what are we going to do to extend the counting of ballots after Election Day to be sure that every legit ballot gets counted? 17 days may not be enough. Yeah, Tricia, thank you for those questions. Let me go back to Secretary of State Alex Padilla. Secretary of State. So uh, great questions. So I'll, I'll jump straight to the details here. Uh, first, on the postmark issue, um, you know, it's part of why in California, in addition to the postmark uh, that we look for, we have the use of what's known as intelligent mail barcodes. When we get a lot of business mail, you'll see a little barcode that's below your name and address. Uh, that uh, is part of the Postal Service's automation. And so there's actually electronic records of when uh, the Postal Service takes custody of uh, a lot of that mail, which includes ballots. So we can track it uh, in multiple ways. Uh, a great new tool for voters. Uh, if you go to vote.ta.gov, California voters can subscribe to receive email alerts, text message alerts, or automated phone alerts on the status of their ballot 
through the postal service delivery process, both on the way to the voter and on the way back to the county, with, an, with ultimately the message that we're all waiting for, a confirmation that your ballot was received and counted. So it's great for transparency, great for accountability, and great for peace of mind. That last tool especially will give us uh, a real-time look at any bottlenecks or delays in the postal delivery process. Uh, And so, uh, again, just to remind folks, current California law says as long as your ballot is postmarked on or before Election Day, it can arrive three days after the election and still be counted. We're extending that to 17 days for purposes of this November. Uh, Still ample time for counties to finish processing, counting, and auditing those votes before we certify results. And again, Alex Padilla is again Secretary of State of California. I'm going to read a comment from a listener named Diane, who is a USPS employee, and she writes, it was great to see the press and the public come to our defense. Delay of or tampering with the mail is a felony. I have no doubt that the Trump administration is trying to steal this election. I'm also very proud that postal employees working at the plants blew the whistle on DeJoy. Uh, And here's uh, a tweet. Let me go back, if I may, uh, to Amy Gardner, who's national political reporter of the Washington Post. Tina says, DeJoy needs to reverse the changes and hire extra people to address the backlog. What's the likelihood that he does so? I think it depends a lot on the outcomes of these lawsuits and the oversight hearings. Uh, certainly public pressure is building. Uh, it, another important factor is how many Republicans sign on to infusing the Postal Service with additional funds to help it shore up its service. Uh, to the earlier discussion, I think uh, the way that California has the electronic tracking and the barcode scanning capacity is important, but not every state does that, and not every state Uh, has talked to its local postmasters and uh, postal officials about the postmarking issue to to the um, caller's concerns. And so states that do allow uh, ballots to be counted so long as they're postmarked and arrive within a certain number of days, depending on the state, do rely on there actually being a postmark. And we've been told very explicitly by the Trump uh, campaign that they plan explicitly to challenge any ballot that arrives after Election Day without a postmark. So this is going to be an area of conflict after November 3rd, without a doubt, in my mind. Uh, We have a quick question for Secretary Padilla. I know you have to go, Secretary Padilla, but Nadine has a quick question for you, if I may. Nadine? Hi, thank you. Um, I, I, I won't talk about the post office. I wanted to know about in the primaries, there was a change in California in some areas where there were voting centers and less polling places. And I think this is very dangerous. So can you discuss why that's in place and where it's in place? And if you're rethinking that, because I think people need close neighborhood, uh, something where if you don't own a car, you can get to, to vote. Yeah, thank you, Nadine, right. for that question. Yeah, no, it's great. So, look, it, it fits into the best advice we have for voters, not just in California, but across the country. Right? Number one, be prepared. You know, are you registered? Is your registration up to date? Uh, and make a plan for how you want to vote. If you want to vote by mail, uh, if it's offered in your state and your jurisdiction, highly recommend it, not just because of the Postal Service, but because of COVID-19. So request that ballot early. When it arrives, fill it out early. Send it back as soon as you can. For people who need to vote in person, uh, is early voting offered in your area? I'd go the first day. Don't put, put it off until the very last day. Uh, for California specifically, every county is going to be a little bit different. Uh, there are some counties who are frankly struggling to secure enough voting locations and poll workers to uh, uh, 
provide all the neighborhood precincts that uh, a lot of people have become used to. Uh, some counties will still be able to do that. Other counties, uh, if they choose to or need to consolidate locations, uh, we're allowing them still setting a minimum requirement, one location per 10,000 voters. But in exchange, those locations have to be open for at least four days of in-person voting, three days of early voting plus election day itself. Uh, again, our first recommendation is vote by mail. It's reliable, secure, convenient, and safe. If you must vote in person, go early and bring your mask to, because we'll have the uh, physical distancing and other public health guidelines uh, in effect at all voting locations. That was Alex Padilla, Secretary of State of California. And Secretary Padilla, thank you so much for joining us. Good to have you. All right, thank you. Stay safe. You too. And uh, I'm going to go back to Amy Gardner for a moment. Amy, I know you have to leave us shortly, but I wanted to get your response to a listener named Melissa who emails us, more attention should be given to the 2006 Republican Postal Act that requires the USPS to fund 75 years of its pension obligations up front, even for anticipated employees. None of that, none of their competitors have that kind of mandated prepay. I think she is correct about that. Amy? Yes, and that's been a point of discussion in recent days among defenders of the post office and uh, the critics of DeJoy and President Trump who believe that they're trying to undermine the service. Basically, uh, the view is that that uh, requirement sort of was designed to undermine the Postal Service's financial solvency. Uh, and, and there's another point here, too, which is that the those who defend DeJoy's cost-cutting measures talk about the Postal Service losing money. Those who oppose his measures talk about the Postal Service costing money. It's a government service. Uh, why is it meant, why must it be profitable like a private company? The point is that it's required to exist under the Constitution, these folks say. And so hobbling it, as some would call it, with the pension requirements, is a big reason for its money losing and insolvency today. Amy Gardner, good to have you with us. Appreciate very Thank much you. being with us. Thank My you. My pleasure. Amy Gardner is national political reporter with The Washington Post. And we have Shirley Taylor, who is a national business agent for the Bay Area American Postal Workers Union. And Shirley Taylor, we welcome you to the program. Good morning to you. And good morning to you. I'd like to, I guess, begin by getting a sense from you about just how things have been affected by the Postmaster General's recent cost-cutting measures here throughout Northern California, as best as you can give us the picture in terms of delays, especially. Okay, well, the um, what what we really need is we need Congress to provide the $25 billion in immediate COVID-related relief because um, the um, we don't usually get, uh, we don't get tax dollars. Uh, we we get everything paid for by our services. However, this is, has um, required us to do a lot of paying employees and things like that. And, and um, you know, so so it costs um, money that we don't have. But um, postal management, the service cuts, what they've done is they dismantle machines that uh, process mail very quickly. They dismantle machines. For instance, in San Francisco, they have dismantled what we call the delivery bar code sorters. There were five of them. They've just uh, three of them. They dismantle, and two of them they aren't using. And so that slows down the mail. They've also stopped using what we call the flat sorting uh, machines that 
directly sort the mail to the carrier's routes, and this delays the mail, and that causes the mail to be, instead of being just sent to the carrier's route, what it causes uh, the, the employees to do is work the mail at least three more times, and that delays the mail. And then what they've done is stop the carriers from coming in in the morning, casing their mail. They just come in, they pick up their mail. Whatever is hasn't been worked, they just leave it, and they leave it for the next day. And so things are just piling back up. And so you don't get your medicine. You don't get your um, checks. Um, you don't get your parcels. You don't get your letters. You don't get all of that. And you can't come in and treat this like it is a business because we're a service. We're a service. And, and what we've been trained to do is you don't leave mail on the floor. That's one of the big debates, by the way, whether uh, the Postal Service is a service or whether it is a business. Uh, it's good to hear you uh, take the position of it being a service. Uh, we should mention that the U.S. Postal Service was invited to be a part of this segment. They declined. Shirley Taylor, I'm going to have to say goodbye to you, but I appreciate very much your being with us. Uh, and Shirley Taylor, again, is national business agent for the Bay Area American Postal Workers Union. We have another segment up ahead. We're going to talk about a report that was done by Frontline and KQED which is pretty damning of PG&E, and uh, stay tuned for that. It's right up ahead. I'm Michael Krasny. Support for Forum comes from San Francisco Opera. Set 10 years after a school shooting, the critically acclaimed opera Innocence takes us into a complex emotional journey where our understanding of innocence and guilt is constantly upended. Kaya Sariajo's ethereal score collapses the past into the present as a community of survivors grapple with how to move forward. Don't miss the highly anticipated American premiere of Innocence, June 1st through 21st. Learn more at sfopera.com. We've all got those parts of our house where the internet just won't go. Well, if you had wall-to-wall Wi-Fi from Xfinity, you could worry less about dead spots. Because with wall-to-wall Wi-Fi from Xfinity, you get fast speeds, reliable connection in every room, and power for all of your devices, even when everyone's online. That's wall-to-wall Wi-Fi only with Xfinity. Restrictions apply. Not available in all areas. Actual speeds vary. All over the country. We need to improve reading in Wisconsin. Schools are changing the way they teach reading. I'm calling for a renewed focus on literacy. We have gotten this wrong in New York and all across the nation. And it's happening because of a podcast. I think your podcast has changed my life. And I'm going to share this podcast with everyone I meet. Sold a Story investigates how teaching kids to read went wrong. New episodes of Sold a Story are available now.